right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. This one is going to be insane. Uh, not to get everybody too, uh, too hyped up or anything, but I'm personally very excited. Uh, this is the preeminent scientist and doctor in artificial intelligence, uh, who is the founder and the CEO of Singularity Net, something I've been uh, very excited about for a long time. Dr. Ben Gertzel is joining us on the podcast. A true pleasure to have you, doctor. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. Man, I, you know, AI has gotten a whole lot of, uh, a whole lot of talk to start the year. And you've been doing this for decades now at this point. Um, you, you, you famously invented, you know, the Sophia robot and among many other systems. Um, and so I would love to just do a quick introduction on, on who you are uh, before we dive into the specifics of uh, AGIX and, and the future of artificial intelligence uh, married with blockchain. Sure thing. So I, I got my PhD in, in actually mathematics in the 1980s, but I've been interested in AI since well before that, really since discovering it in, the, in science fiction stories and that TV shows in the early <laughs> 1970s when I, when, when, I, when I was a kid. But I've been doing AI research actively since I was a grad student in the 80s. And indeed, the AI field has come a long way since then, right? So, I mean, when, when I started in the field, there was some AI in industry, mostly in military, a little bit in Wall Street, but not, not so much. I was an academic for 10 years in math, computer science, and then cognitive science, the study of human, human cognition. And... From the late 90s onward, I've been developing AI applications for industry, a bunch of stuff in national security and in finance and robotics with the Sophia robots and other humanoid robots in functional genomics and AI for clinical medicine data. And, you know, in applying AI across all these areas, always I had in my mind, you know, for now the AI is our tool but before long the ai is going to be more capable than than people are so i i coined the term artificial general intelligence and introduced that in the book in i guess it was 2004 and i've been working on trying to grow a research community around the notion of agi artificial general intelligence which now you know partly due to my efforts more so just due to the way the world has evolved now that's a big thing, right? And you've got CEOs of major companies and national Yeah, everybody's talking about AGI. Really thinking about artificial general intelligence and not just about narrow AIs that do highly particular things. The closer we seem to get mm. to real AGIs, to machines that can generalize beyond their programming and history and make creative leaps like humans can and ultimately better than humans can, like the closer we get to that... You know, the more, the more the governance and ownership and and regulation and influence of AI as it gets smarter and smarter seems like an important thing. So I I wrote a book in two thousand one called Creating Internet Intelligence, where I was proposing we had to make a strongly encrypted, decentralized control network for AIs running on computers all all around all around the planet and i was sort of struggling toward what later would come to be called blockchain right and that my i my 
wife, Ray Ting, who I got together with in, I guess, 2009, she dug up online a webpage I made in 1995 where I was proposing to run for U.S. president on the decentralization party platform, right? So this, uh, I mean, which I, I'm, now that I'm older and wiser, I've realized being president would be a horrible job and, and I, I completely don't, don't I don't want it anymore. But it was interesting looking back, like <laughs> 95, I was all about, we have to decentralize everything because as as AI gets smarter and smarter, if it's not decentralized, it's going to be, owned by parties who we don't really want to own it and who are going to be corruptible in predictable ways. So, I mean, it's with this in mind, I got into blockchain heavily in 2017 and co-founded SingularityNet, which aims to be a sort of decentralized fabric for both AI applications and then as it emerges for, for, for general intelligence. Because, I mean, we you need decentralization in the AI sphere even more badly than you need it in the, in the domain of, of, of finance. And that, that, yeah, that sort of brings us to the, to the present. And right, right now, you know, in 2017, I think with our initial launch of singularity net, we brought to the public mind, the idea that you could put AI and blockchain together, but now in 2023, mm -hmm. there's more recognition in the community at large, like, whoa, we, we really need to put AI and, and, and blockchain together. And the, the, the importance of this seems more obvious to people as AI starts to do more and more stuff. Yeah. It seems like AI, um, I mean, th there's so many different questions I have, but like, it seems like it really blew up in 2023, January, everybody started playing with chat GPT, like, you know, this fastest app, to get a million users and everybody kind of realized, oh my gosh, you know, I could type in anything and it's, you know, a, a very conversational smart uh, bot. And then people started playing with stable diffusion and saying I could type a, you know, a ballerina with a pen and it'll spit out imaging for that. And then I think people from, you know, in 2021 and 22, maybe thinking like, what is AI? Is it just math that's going to help people do things quick? Like, you know, it, didn't really make sense there was nothing concrete behind it but now the consumer you know has been infatuated with it because now there's these apps that now ai isn't a back-end feature it's a front-end yeah. feature and so i, I want to kind of get your perspective on this do you see this inflection point as well or, is, or am i crazy it's very clearly an inflection point in public enthusiasm for Perception. for ai i think uh it's also an inflection point in certain AI capabilities that, that, that are, are interesting. I think it's not yet the biggest inflection point. Like we're not, we're not yet to general intelligences, but it, it, it's certainly, certainly really, really quite interesting progress. And I, I think it's, you can talk about it from a sort of, industry structure and politics and ownership view and you can talk about it from a ai research and development view and i, th I think they're both they're both important so from from an ai r&d view what i would say is systems like dali stable diffusion chat gpt you know google lambda slash bard and so forth these systems kind of bypass 
the need for generalization by having such a humongous training data set. So what we're after in trying to build real thinking machines is AIs that can leap beyond the information they were fed, leap beyond their experience and deal with the great unknown, which Got it. humans do. We fuck up a lot, but we, we are ultimately able, able, able to do that. Like I, I can deal with the internet, which didn't exist when I was born or, 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 or went to school. Right. And then on the other hand, a system like a stable diffusion or chat GPT, it can do a lot of things, but not because it's able to leap beyond its training data, rather because it's trained on like everything on the internet, which is, is, is a huge, huge scope of, 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 of knowledge. Right. So it's, it's really useful. It's really cool. These systems will eliminate a substantial fraction of human jobs, which is, is obviously amazingly economically impactful. I don't think it's exactly a direct step toward AGI because it's really about leveraging this humongous body of training data rather than is about leaping beyond your, your, your experience. But I think it can be used to mm. accelerate progress toward AGI. So one thing we're working on in, in Singularity Net is Take, basically train a large language model like a GPT-3, which is the model underlying chat GPT, train it to output everything it knows in a structured logical format that you can feed into an AI reasoning engine. And so in that way, you could use this model to feed into the mind of a logical reasoning system, which can then reason about it together with its own experience, which it sees through robots and, and, and cameras and analysis of data sets and so forth. So I think, I think there's ways like that, that you can leverage what these large language models are doing to accelerate AGI, even though they're, they're not AGI. And so we're, we're working on our own AGI approach, which is called OpenCog Hyperon, the latest version of the longstanding open source OpenCog AI system. We're working on that. That's underlying the Sophia robot and Grace and Desdemona, which are Sophia's little sister robots. And we're working at how do you use the knowledge learned by large language models like a chat GPT to inject directly into the brain of the OpenCog system, which can then reason and generalize, right? Wow. So there, there, that's part of my view on the AI underlying these things. So it is, it is a breakthrough. It's a really cool breakthrough. It's a breakthrough in a somewhat different direction than you need for AGI. Then you can try to creatively leverage that to, to boost AGI development. From an industry structure perspective, it's a bit weirder when you look at OpenAI. Like OpenAI was founded as a sort of open source think tank, right? Like let's, let's build AI mm -hmm. separate from big tech companies for the good of the world in a nonprofit sort of open source vein, right? So now they they should change the name to closed right. AI, right? Because they're no longer they're no longer open sourcing. <laughs> yeah, didn't every, Microsoft every, buy them? Everything they do, and they've entered into extremely close, almost but not quite, ownership relationship with with Microsoft, right? Now, why why did they do that? Not because they fell in love with Microsoft, although I mean, very high quality company in, in, in 
many ways. And living here in Seattle area, I know a lot of amazing Microsofties, right? I mean, they did that because it costs insane amounts of money to train these machine learning models, right? I mean, that's tens of millions of dollars of computer time, possibly hundreds of millions. And hard for a startup, even when funded by Elon Musk, to get all the money they need to, to train models. So they got a billion from Microsoft. Now they're getting 29 billion more or something. So you, you've got a scenario where AI is advancing really fast, but it's taking a lot of money to drive this, this mm. ad, 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 advancement, right? So like SingularityNet, you know, we did a $36 million ICO in 2017, but what, what is that compared to $29 billion from Microsoft in, into, into OpenAI, right? So, I mean, that this, it's a in, very interesting moment in a bunch of ways for the development of, of, of AI, I would say. And I think, I think the decentralized community can succeed and prevail and take the lead in, in AI, but it will take some clever footwork on the economic as well as the technical side, given the given the huge cost mm. of training these large language models that have affected the current AI revolution. And are all those costs, um, are those just pure like compute? Are you saying like it just takes so much energy to run any given query? Yeah, it, um, it, 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 it's, it's, uh, it's all just uh, boosting global warming and uh, – speeding up the heat death of the universe, right? I mean, this is just paying, oh, lovely. paying server farms with massive multi-GPU servers. It, 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 I mean, that that's... When you say, like, GPG-3 costs $10 million in computer time to train, that's not the salaries of the people either. I mean, that, 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 that that's just, just paying for the GPU time at standard rates. Man. Yeah, I, I had no idea um, about this this demarcation between AI and, and AGI, and so it's really good to understand that differentiation and that you're really you know focused on building uh, generalized artificial generalized. Yeah, intelligence. I mean, Singularity Net, Singularity Net is a platform that can support narrow AI carrying out highly specific tasks, like you know helping distort an image or helping you do your taxes or analyze your dna data or predict a stock price right oh, wow. so singularity net as a platform can support narrow ai apps or or it can serve as an infrastructure for developing artificial general intelligence and i mean both both are important and interesting as as a researcher my deepest interest is in in agi because as you know, another mathematician, I.J. Good, said in 1965, the first truly intelligent machine will be the last invention humanity has to make, right? Like if you wow. if you can really get to AGI, then you don't need to make up these other applications. The, the AGI will do, will do it for you. On the other hand, that's, that's, that's a few years off, even if optimistic projections are right. So there's still a use for AI doing practical things today. Mm-hmm. Was the impetus for making um, and creating and founding AGI-X uh, or SingularityNet, um, was the main reason to have that decentralized governance body over this, you know, potentially last invention we'll ever need? Or was it really more you wanted this platform? No, the main, re- the main reason in my heart for founding SingularityNet was 
I think my team working on OpenCog Hyperon after a few more years is going to make the breakthrough to machines that can really think like people or, or and then even even better than people. The machine will understand its own source code and start reprogramming its own source code. And, you know, this is difficult research, but we've been working mm -hmm. on this a long time and we're getting better and better machines and infrastructure for deploying our, our ideas. We're working on custom hardware for this also, a custom AGI chip together with a company Simuli in Florida. So my main motivation for SingularityNet ultimately was once you make the breakthrough to AGI, where does it get deployed? Like do you deploy it on AWS? Then ultimately Amazon has has control over it, right? I mean, it's right. gonna take a bunch of machines. So you is it deployed in one particular country, then that government will try to seize it from you as soon as it achieves greater than human level in, in, in intelligence. And mm -hmm. some thugs will come into your house, put a gun to your head and say, make the AGI do what I said, right? It's, it seemed like the only viably beneficial way would be to have it be more like a Linux operating system. Have the first AGI running on, you know, a million machines running across every country on the globe with with open source code and replicated all over the place and governed by a DAO that doesn't require any one person to, to control it. And if if the breakthrough to AGI happens in, in this sort of setting, I mean, then people just have to deal with it, just like they just have to deal with Linux and with the TCP IP protocol underlying the, the internet, right? Like right. North Korea and Iran run Linux and they they communicate using the internet no matter what other governments want, right? So no, no one has managed to take hegemony over those things. Mm, interesting. So that, that indeed was my primary driving motivation. On, on, on the other hand, to make a platform that's viable to host your AGI once you have the breakthrough, you need to do something with that platform in the, in, 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 in the interim, right? And mm -hmm. so rolling out practical tools doing useful things on the singularity net platform in the years while we work on our, our AGI makes sense from a variety of, of perspectives, right? I mean, it gets token utilization, which then right. builds, builds the economic value of, of, of the network. And it also helps you hone the software code of, of, of the platform in a way that you can only get through actual utilization. Yeah. And, and that brings me up to an awesome point here on that, on that note. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that AGIX token and really how does it function to be a key piece of securing the network? Yeah, I mean, the a AGIX token is the general purpose utility token of the SingularityNet network. And SingularityNet is a network of AI processes or agents, each of which carries out some intelligent function like looking for patterns in a data set or carrying out reasoning based on some some premises or generating an image based on what a user, user requested or looking for the future of a time series. All these AI agents in SingularityNet can communicate together and talk to each other. And they can not only do work for customers, they can do work for each other. The AI agents in the network can talk to each other and outsource work to each other, collaborate on problems. So the AGIX token, it's used to pay AI agents on the network for their work, for 
external agents to pay, but also for the agents to pay each other. It's 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 also used for rating and reputation within within the network. So if some agent wants to say another AI agent did a really good job on something, then you can give a positive reputation rating to the other agent. And you also mm. attach a few AGIX tokens to that because we, we found through a bunch of study of reputation systems that if, if you have reputation rating without some financial aspect along with the ratings, people just scam the rating system ridiculously. Mm-hmm. So you, you don't, you don't want to have money be the reputation rating. What you want to have is, Agents can rate others as to how good they were, and they have to put a little money behind that rating. And then you then you can get an efficient reputation and and rating system, which is is very important because when agents are outsourcing work to other agents in the network, I mean they, they need to know which ones are high quality to, to outsource to. So yeah, AG, AGIX is for payment and that serves on other functions like part of their reputation and, and rating system as, as well. And we, we launched originally on Ethereum. We now have a version of AGIX that's on Cardano network and we're, we're building our own base level blockchain called Hypercycle. And so before long, we'll have a flavor of AGIX token on, on the Hypercycle network, uh, as 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 well because we you know we found cardano it's much faster and cheaper and more secure than ethereum but it doesn't go quite as far as we need for building a sort of decentralized on-chain global brain so we're hypercycle which is starting out as a cardano side chain hypercycle is will be way faster and cheaper than cardano and customized for AI applications, but it should tightly interlink with Cardano through the the Hydra interface. Wow. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Now, now there's a lot of... um you know, societal effects of, you know, AI and, and AGI more, more particularly in terms of jobs, uh, all, all sorts of different stuff. Um, could you kind of tell us a little bit about maybe your philosophy um, on um, like, you know, AGI and AI, um, you know, the societal effects of that? Yeah. I mean, first of all, I think the need to work for a living sucks. It should be obsoleted. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm happy it will be obsoleted. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that, uh, yeah, within five to ten years, majority of human jobs will be gone, and I think that's a short time by frame. And large, 
Yeah, it's a short time frame, right? And you can see the promise of chat GPT and stable diffusion oh, yeah. and so forth. Like the raw material is there to obsolete so many white collar jobs. Mm-hmm. But there's also the raw material to sort of synergize together with stuff that's already done for physical autom- automation of, 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 of tasks. And so, I mean, we already have the technology to automate so many more things than are automated, right? Like, uh, there's no reason that McDonald's can't be fully automated. Oh, I yeah. Mean, and seriously. we have the tech to do that. It'd be way better, and, too. And in, in Asia, in Asia, most McDonald's are more automated than, than in, 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 in the U.S. But So, I mean, rolling out technology takes more time in some job categories than others, right? So, I mean, mm-hmm. I know some friends of mine made a company – Apprente that was sold to McDonald's three or four years ago, maybe. And when they, they, they automated the voice recognition problem behind the McDonald's drive through. And mm. now their software is finally getting rolled out in various McDonald's in the Midwest in, in, in the U S but it's not everywhere yet. Right. So there's some, there's just some friction. There's some lag time once the problem is solved to deploying it. But then, in many white collar jobs, that friction is less, right? Because I mean, McDonald's, it's just, there's physical machines that need to be replaced. Each each one is a separately owned franchise. So there's there's a bunch of physical complexities there. With many white collar jobs, it's it's much less so, right? You've, you've got employees largely working from home now, like from a laptop o- o- over, over the internet. There's not that, not such big obstacles to actually obsoleting ob- those jobs so i think i mean the speed with which graphic design is being obsolete is 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 one example right i mean all all of a sudden so many people are just writing prompts for dali and stable diffusion rather than hiring a graphic designer i know it's true it's true they're not as creative as as picasso or kandinsky right but on on the (laughs) other hand for coming up with art for your poster you don't you don't you don't need someone who's as creative as as Picasso or Kandinsky, you just need to repermute stuff. That's, uh, I mean, you're using clip art and touching it up in Photoshop anyway, right? So, yeah. So that I think that that's that's an example of how fast a job category can be like completely demolished when you're not dealing with f- physical machinery. So, I, I, what I think will happen economically, I think in the developed world. After a bunch of chaos, it will all be fine. Like, I think we're going to get a universal basic income or some variation mm. of that mm. in the U.S., Western Europe, and the wealthier countries of, of Asia, Australasia, and, and so forth. Like, I, I don't really believe in the end, like, the U.S. people will allow half the U.S. population to be starving out in the street. Like, I, I think I think it's not going to happen. What What worries me more is no one will give universal basic income to the average subsistence farmer in Senegal or the Central African Republic, right? So, but, but the need to outsource work to these countries will go away. And like in, you know, in the outskirts of Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, you got these factories where Ethiopian people are basically gluing together pieces of shoes to sell in Africa, where the pieces of the shoe are largely coming from China. That's going to be robotized quite soon. It'll, it's going to be cheaper to have robots do that than to have Ethiopian people do that, right? So, I mean, 
So you, and, and, and let me say, ask, is this a, people, is AI and these sort of things that you're describing, is that deflationary inherently? Because it's like you don't need to pay a robot. It doesn't need to take a break. It, uh, is, it, just, it would be generically deflationary if the economy weren't so completely manipulated and screwed up, which it is, right? So, yeah. I mean, yeah, if, if you didn't have a heavily financialized global economy with Wall Street and – Chinese government and Russian mafia and everyone playing various games with money supplies, it, it will be heavily deflationary. But yeah. I mean, how it actually will play out in reality can be can be a whole other story, right? Because I mean, the, yeah, I, you know, the whole the whole idea that all, basically none of monetary theory works in reality, right? I mean, like in, in, mm. in crypto, you have people always saying, well, if if the supply of this token is increased, then the, the value per token will go down. But it's never worked that way, right? Like you, <laughs> if you statistically look at the history of real world economies or crypto world economies, there's basically no evidence that in real practice increase, increasing mo- money supply causes inflation, right? So, I mean, the, the things you would think logically occur in terms of money don't usually occur in, in reality because of mass psychology and corrupt manipulation and and then changes right. in technology and all, all sorts of other factors right so but yeah intrinsically it would be radically radically def, de, deflationary but how hard will central banks work to make it inflationary instead is 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 is, 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 a, is a different question like we we've seen a lot of work to artificially cause inflation in the US recently right so that, i mean right. that's a, but i think what happens when you have, you know, 1.5 billion almost starving subsistence farmers with no way to make money, and then the rest of the world living on universal basic income, yeah. while maybe a million rich people around the world get richer and richer and richer from uh, owning owning the, the robot factories and the AI server farms? I mean, this seems This is like, the trajectory. Uh, yeah, it seems like a scenario uh, ripe for a whole bunch of uh, crazy techno thriller actions or something, right? Like, uh, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a lot of motivation for some of these uh, black hat hacker kids of starving African subsistence farmers to hack into the power grids and military servers of developed countries, right? I mean, there, there's, there's going to be... A lot of, lot of potential for mayhem in, let's say, the few years before AGI becomes so smart that it removes scarcity altogether all, all from, the, from, the, from, the, from the picture. Because, I mean, if once you have a machine that's like 100 times smarter than people, and once you have a machine that's like 1.1 times as smart as people, it's going to study its own source code and make itself 1.5 times smarter of people. Then it will mm. study its own source code and make itself five times as smart as people. So once you have a machine that's slightly cleverer than people, you're going to get a machine that's a lot cleverer than people. Then if that machine is well disposed toward people, it could create essentially utopia on earth at very little effort to itself. If it, if it likes us and if it felt like it, right? And can also offer us nice. the opportunity to enhance our intelligence and fuse into its superhuman mind. So you got like, 
science fiction up, up, up the wazoo, right? But then even if this rosy future comes about, there's going to be a few years of really insane and difficult chaos as the global economy adapts. In principle, blockchain and the cryptocurrency world should be able to help with this. I mean, in its present state, it wouldn't be much help. And you can see an analogy with the pandemic, right? Like in, in, in principle, blockchain should have been really helpful in managing COVID in, in, a, in a number of ways. Like you should have been able to do track and trace of infection in, in a secure, non-corruptible way using, using blockchain-based apps. And, you know, my own team developed AI-based simulation models of COVID spread, and we tried mm. to get various governments to adapt these to, to figure out when they really need to lock down and when they didn't. And the truth was usually, usually they didn't. You could have gotten away right. with other things like give people some incentive tokens for shopping close to your house instead of somewhere else or something, right? So right. there were a lot of ways, a lot of ways crypto could have helped with the pandemic. In the end, it was almost completely useless, not because good prototypes weren't, weren't built or the ideas weren't there, just when the shit hit the fan, things were run by governments who were just too stupid to even think about adopting something in, innovative, right? So yeah. then the question is, if, if global economic systems go into chaos because three quarters of the world population is, is out of work as AI advances toward AGI, will crypto be well enough developed and the blockchain <laughs> infrastructure be well enough developed to actually help, right? And without having to ask governments to 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 help it help, right? So right right now, it's not quite, right? But if if people in both the developed and developing world were using crypto-based payment systems and, and messaging systems and and were using you know decentralized versions of chat GPT and even smarter systems to help them help them answer their questions and understand what's going on. I mean, you, you, you could, you could have, you could have a scenario where crypto helped the world transition through, through this crisis. On the other hand, governments may try their best to stop, stop this from happening. So it's mm. good. It's, it's going to be quite interesting times. Right. And I mean, we're trying in singularity net, not just to work on building the AGI, but in various vertical market specific spin-offs that we're rolling out and spinning off from Singularity that we're, we're trying we're trying to create tools that can be useful even as the world goes crazy in the in the last few years before before the singularity. But uh, I mean, uh, how how successful that that that, that will be, we'll see. And so when you refer to Singularity, I was actually going to ask you this before and say, how did you come up with the name Singularity Net? But what is that? What is the Singularity? Um, is it when that AGI becomes pervasive? So the technological singularity, technological singularity was a term coined by the science fiction writer Werner Vinge many decades ago and popularized by the futurist 
Ray Kurzweil, who now works on AI at, at, at Google, one of their many AI teams, um, it basically refers to a point in human history when the rate of technological advance becomes so fast that it feels to human beings like it's basically instantaneous. Like imagine, imagine your phone is making 10 Nobel Prize worthy discoveries every second, right? I mean, that, then you're in a domain where the, the speed of human thought is, is basically ir- ir- irrelevant. And that, that, that's, uh, that's the technological singularity. So if, if you plotted a curve of the advance of technology, it's been advancing exponentially. Eventually it starts to look almost vertical. Now it's not, not really going to get fully vertical and have an infinite rate of advance unless all of our physics is wrong, right? But it, it can be advancing so right. fast it looks like an infinite rate to the, to the human mind. And if you look at Ray Kurzweil's book, the Singularity is Near from 2005, or his book, The Age of Spiritual Machines, which might have been 97 or something. I mean, he he makes an argument that we're going to get, just by plotting curves of the advance of different sorts of technology, just the cost of sequencing DNA and brain imaging, making little motors and long-lasting batteries and, and AI systems, he makes an argument we're likely to get to human level AI by 2029. Wow. And then the singularity some years after that. And I think that's looking plausible to me. I mean, I'm pushing, I'm pushing to make it even faster than that. But I, I mean, that, that looks like 2029 is more likely than 2059 or 2500. I mean, it looks it's like here. AI is, is, is really, really picking up speed right so that's anyway singularity net was supposed to be the network that helps catalyze the emergence of the technological singularity which then the center of this is agi but then there's going to be applications you know across the board in every vertical area so for example in in medicine, we have a singularity net ecosystem project called Rejuve, which is using decentralized AI to crunch medical data that, that members upload through the, through the Rejuve app. And Rejuve, Rejuve is launching their app and their token in, in, in a couple of weeks, actually. Then in, we have an ecosystem project called Jam Galaxy, which it's a tokenomic ecosystem for music. So you get musicians to upload their songs, their, their, their tracks, both whole songs and unmixed tracks with each individual instrument separated out. They up, they upload their music into the network. They get some tokens for uploading their music. Network members can listen to that music like on a, on, a, on a streaming app, but you pay with tokens. But also AI models running on SingularityNet model all of that music to learn how to automatically be music producers and automatically generate generate wow. their, their their own music. Right. So that's crazy. In in each of these cases, you see like AI. AI running on a decentralized network using AGIX token is crunching all this data, but it's also it's also providing alternate economic mechanisms to the regular economy, right? Like you're providing medical insights outside the standard medical system. You're bypassing the Spotify's and Apple Music and so forth to connect musicians with listeners with AI 
out, outside the big big music label and streaming service system. So I, I, I think so. Going back to the point we discussed in the very beginning here of, of, of this call, the recent AI breakthroughs are taking a lot of money to train to train mm -hmm. these machine learning models, and they're taking a lot of data. The fact that Google and Microsoft have the whole web on hand to help train models because of their search engines mm -hmm. is helpful. To, to do better than these guys in the decentralized ecosystem, we need not only better AI algorithms, which I think we have with OpenCog, but we, but we also need huge amount of processing power and a huge amount of, of, of data, right? So that we have a singular ecosystem project called NuNet, which we spun off last year that has its own NTX token. That lets anyone around the world put their computing processors into a global compute network. Then Jam Galaxy aims to get music music data in, right? Rejuve aims to get medical data in. We have something called Mindplex that gets text data in. So we're aiming to aggregate processing power, aggregate data, put them in a decentralized network with our algorithms, put them on a super efficient infrastructure with, with HyperCycle. Then you have a whole decentralized tech stack that can outdo what the big tech companies are, are doing, putting algorithms, data, processor and, and and people together but it's it's a lot of pieces to to yeah. connect right which is why it's taking us a, a, a number of years to get it all together yeah and, and you know when i think of uh the incumbent you know the main incumbent that comes to my mind is you know google right and um a lot of people are starting to talk you know google might be on its way out i saw one of their co-founders came out um and was writing their his first line of code in like a decade for google um, and, and the whole, you know, uh, you know, AI, um, you know, consumer fire that has caught steam right now is, is really lighting a fire under their tushies. Do you think that they're strongly moded enough? Yeah, I mean, Google's not Google's not going to go away any more than IBM went mm -hmm. away. Right. But on, 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 on the other hand, clearly the era where ads on search is an infinite money engine <laughs> is is about about to end. Yeah. And Google. Long ago, long ago, ceased to become a source of innovation, and they've only innovated by acquiring companies for for a, 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 really, a really long time now, right? So yeah, I think I think we're entering a phase of a few years where you know these internet era big tech companies are going to get disintermediated in, in 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 the same way that they did to their their predecessors, right? So, I mean, just like Honeywell and Wang and all these mainframe companies from the '70s are gone. Only IBM pivoted and 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 survived, but they're not the force they used to be, right? right? So, it's clear the big tech companies they're losing their hegemony. The question is whether the decentralized world can get its shit together fast enough to 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 fill in that that gap right and i mean i'm 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 hoping the time the time is 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 right for that but we gotta we've gotta run really fast to to make it so because the the infrastructure is is still is still a bit iffy compared to the centralized infrastructure in terms of speed cost and robustness right. yeah I, I was thinking about just like the development speed for an organization um, like Singularity Net, relative to a centralized, um, you know, competitor, if you will, like you know, in a decentralized 
uh, scenario, lots of things on what to develop kind of goes to a vote to the community and all that stuff. So I, I do see it being inherently slower. But can you give us a little bit of color on the uh, the governance process? Well, it can be slower or it could be faster, depending on exactly what you're doing. Because I, I think that decision process in a democratic network is always going to be a little slower than in a, an optimal centralized company, but the optimal centralized company never lasts very long. Right. And you you could see the Google founders were on it for a little while, but they, they retired quite a while ago and Google has become a sort of stultified bureaucracy Mm -hmm. right now. Right. So, I mean, one and Microsoft I mean, the reason they've taken a lead now is because they bought, they bought Open OpenAI, mm-hmm. right? But it, it's not because they they managed to maintain that innovative fire within Microsoft. So I think one advantage of a decentralized network is it doesn't have to get stale in in the way that companies seem to ossify into bureaucracies. And I think li- li- Linux has not gotten stale, right? You just the kernel team is run by a bunch of old guys, but you have so much innovation, so many new things. I mean, L- L- Linux is dominating the robotics world now, right? And Linus Torvalds doesn't have to know anything about 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 robots. So, I mean, what, one one advantage is decentralized processes don't seem to ossify the way that the way that centralized one ones do once they reach a certain size and, and maturity. I think I think another advantage is diversity. I mean you can bring in incredibly diverse expertise. You don't have to fall prey to, to groupthink. Like right. if you if you go around to Google or Microsoft, they're amazingly super brilliant people and I know a lot of them, but you do tend to accumulate people who all think the same right. way. And then the the process of bringing in people with a very different way of thinking is laborious. There's all these non, non-disclosure agreements. And then if you want to start working with Google's code base, it takes six months just to understand all the proprietary stuff that they built that you would never even start to see if you weren't, if you weren't working for them. So I think pulling in diverse expertise is much easier in a, in a decentralized modality. And that will get more and more important as you approach singularity as things change and, and, pivot with with greater and greater and greater frequency that that said i would say no one has really made the dao work as a governance mechanism the way it was it was supposed to yet which is something that's gone more slowly than i'd hoped since we found singularity i mean uh, to be honest i'd wanted to open singularity net fully to DAO-based governance by now. We haven't done it. I mean, the Singularity Net Foundation, we we do have token holders who can vote, and they voted on some very, very major mm-hmm. things. But still, I, I'm, I'm, I'm running things as a sort of benevolent dictator. I mean, the token holders could vote. They could make a – if 90% of them said I should quit, I would, I would quit, yeah. right? But fortunately, I'm popular so <laughs> far. But I – we haven't really gotten DAO-based governance to work the way we want. Almost every project that's called a DAO is, in fact, governed by, like, five guys who founded the project and own most of the tokens, right? I mean, it really it really hasn't worked the way we wanted. And we're, we're, we're doing a 
sort of mini conference online within Singularity Net ecosystem, probably next month, aimed at sort of rallying together the community toward the project of really turning SNET into a fully DAO-based governance thing. So we, we do have something called deep funding where we mint a bunch of new tokens each month, a decreasing amount amount each month. Third, and 30% of those go into a pool called deep funding, where basically community members propose projects and other community members vote on those projects. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a bit like Cardano's Catalyst program. The best proposed projects get tokens, but it's a larger percent of our tokens than Cardano was put into 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 Catalyst. And we've tried really hard to have the vote not be dominated by by whales. Like I, I mean, I, I haven't I haven't voted on any any of the proposals because I don't want my own tokens to, to influence things. Mm-hmm. So we've been experimenting there with various funky voting mechanisms like reputation weighted voting and quadratic voting. So it's not purely one dollar one vote. Like people with more tokens get more vote, but like proportional to the square root of the number of tokens they have. And you have to have some reputation of being a good actor in the community for your for your your, your vote to count. So we're we're trying in the deep funding initiative to refine the democratic governance mechanisms so that maybe a year from now or something we can roll them out across Singularity Net as a whole. Because you know, we may be only a few years we could be two or three years from the big breakthrough to having real human level AGI. And I want to have things with full democratic governance before, before that point. So there's really isn't really is no, no, no right. It needs to have a solid, strong foundation. Yeah. It's hard because I mean, you know, you know how the crypto community is, right? I mean, the vast majority of people are good actors and vast majority of our AGIX token holders, you know, they bought the token because they want to use it to access the thinking machine once it once it's developed and they want they want to promote our project. But there's there's always going to be a small number of actors who are just in it for rapid personal gain at any cost and without ethics or legality or or, or whatever. So I mean managing governance to defend against bad actors is a subtle thing and we we want to make sure we've got that worked out well before we completely open up the governance of the platform fantastic so yeah it's it's uh it's a work in progress as every crypto project is even bitcoin i mean we've had plenty of bitcoin developers on here saying you know we're we're not even close to being done with the final vision of what bitcoin is right it's there there's so many you know nuances and, and developments that that still need to occur um so we're all we're all still growing there are there are i mean bitcoin is slow to develop for governance reasons more, more than more than anything else whereas uh, the advantage of building new tokenomic infrastructures is at least you you you, you, you don't have a sort of legacy code problem you can you can kind of rip through things faster so i mean i think I think Bitcoin will certainly be there through the singularity as a very interesting asset class. Mm-hmm. But I, I think uh, even Ethereum is a bit bogged down by the need to maintain 
legacy code. And I've been, I've been pleased by how fast we can proceed like with hypercycle on the blockchain infrastructure side, but it's uh, just cause we're building, building from building from scratch. And then, then you can, you can go as fast as you can type. Right. But <laughs> yeah, there's on the one hand, on the one hand, we're at an early stage. On the other hand, there's a sort of window now to have a big influence on the world before a technological singularity hits. And while the big tech companies are, are, are weakened, right? So there, yeah. there's a window of opportunity for the crypto world to, to grab. And I'm, 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 I'm really hoping, uh, we will be able to, to succeed in that. I mean, it's at least seems plausible. Yeah. Um, before I let you go, I just have a couple closing questions and I just want to get a little bit about your market outlook. You know, we're here in in March of 2023 recording this podcast. And of course, nothing that you or I say is investment advice or financial advice. But, you know, we're, we're in the kind of maybe the transitional stages from a bear market to maybe a bull market. Do you have any hot takes on where we're at and, and where we're headed with just crypto prices and market caps? I mean, no doubt. Volatility will continue. You can say that's easy, easy, easier <laughs> to predict the volatility than, 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 than the price, right? So I'm I'm long I'm long crypto volatility for sure. But I, Fair. yeah, I I I don't think we're going to see long bear markets anymore. I think I think that as the technological singularity approaches, things will just change faster and faster. So I, I would say mm. I. I called I called this quasi bull market or whatever we're experiencing. Like la- last fall, a bunch of my colleagues were like, "Oh shit, we may be down for like two more years." I'm like, "Look, the the world has a very short memory these days, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, seasons will change very quickly. Even even for specific projects, like we so we have a project called Kajido, which is a it's a unique kind of fractional reserve algorithmic stablecoin." So we, nice. it's not pinned to fiat. It's actually pinned to progress on cleaning up the environment. So it's like a, it's very stable. It's because that's like slowly linearly advancing. So you, you can nice. you can pin the price of a token to in, indices of environmental progress. That's much harder to manipulate than the fiat currency. In a way, it's stabler than fiat, right? So we wow. we created this last year, and then Luna crashed, right? And everyone was like, mm-hmm. well you might as well kill that project because no one will ever invest in an algorithmic stable coin again. Right. And I'm just like, well, just wait, things are changing faster and faster. People have a, have very short memory. And now, now we've got loads of, we're building that project. We, we have some, some investment into that project. I mean, we're, we're, we're we're doing, we're doing fine. And I I think this is going to, it'll launch on, on Cardano chain probably later this year as a new sort of, uh, asset with the algorithmic stabilization done by AI running on singularity net. But I, I mean, that indicates that the seasons change faster and very quickly and faster. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I think we're definitely going to see more and more and more success for those crypto projects that are building real stuff and have, have real users for, for products but uh yeah it will be it will be foolish to think it's it's going to be a 
steady in, increase in terms of, of token exchange rates, right? That, that seems not to be the way the crypto world rolls. Right? Yes, it, it's, it's pure volatility pretty much all the time. Um, now, well, I, I do it, have one final it's question. Gone, it's gone up. It has gone up over time. It's just psychologically, when things are down, no one believes it will ever go up. When things are up, no one believes it will ever go down, right? So the, the human, <laughs> human psychology... You, you, human psychology remains kind of the same as the waves of innovation get faster and faster and faster as a, as a, as a singularity approaches. I hope AGIX and, and SingularityNet can make me a better trader, um, you know, <laughs> using AGI. Yeah, I mean, Singularity DAO, of course is working on that. And we've been doing a bunch of stuff there with the AI based algorithmic uh, trading of, of baskets of, of altcoins. And we, we may be releasing from there some AI driven on-chain analytics tools also that, that would help other people with their own, with their own trading systems. I think this is an area where we need the infrastructure to mature a bit before it can, really, really come into its own because right now, right. Like you can't do high frequency trading on DEXs, right? The frictional cost is, is, is too high. You could do on centralized exchanges, but those have, have other issues, which, uh, which everyone knows about things tend to be manipulated in various ways. Right. So, I mean, right. you really like counterparty doing right. things on DEXs, but they're slow, they're slow and expensive now. So uh, I, I mean that, that that's, uh, but that that's is going to mature in the in the next the next couple of years. So yeah, I, I think uh, AI driven trading and AI driven analytics to help folks with, with trading is going to be it's going to be a big area, and Singularity DAO will be doing more and more with that. I'm excited to stay tuned on that. And and, and finally, last question I had for you was just you know out of everybody that you've kind of come into contact to. Uh, within the crypto ecosystem, you know, crypto founders, investors, whoever, scientists, you know, what what's one person who you'd love to give a shout out to that you really respect their work, uh, what they're doing, and uh, you're inspired by? Uh, I'll go. I'll go for two. I'll go for uh, Trent McConaughey from Ocean Protocol, and then the mm. the obvious Charles Hoskinson from 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 Cardano. I mean, I think these these guys have been deploying deep algorithmic thinking in, 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 in the real world in quite fantastic ways. Love it. Well, man, it's been a pleasure having you, Dr. Gertzel. We really appreciate your time. We hope to have you back on literally whenever. This was one of my favorite conversations and it uh, really satiated my level of excitement and my appetite to learn about AI and AGI. So um, thank you again. And, and again, uh, hopefully everybody who's watching is able to go to Singularity Net, um, check out the apps or follow you guys on Twitter. Thanks a lot. Take care, everybody. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping 
so he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.